Thank you, Brother Dave. Thanks for that kind introduction. Let me see if I can share the screen here. Just put an outline up. Uh, let's see here. There's not a real good way to practice this beforehand, is there? Hmm. Should I have put that? Um, I have that on my desktop. Is there a way to go to there to get that, Susan? Um, do you say, do you see it says share screen? Yes, and I click that. I'm just trying to go find it really quick, and I'm not, don't have enough experience with this. Oh, it should be on your desk. Well, it, maybe, maybe open it on your desktop, desktop first, if you open it. Okay. Oh, yes, that, that's the missing piece here. Okay. Sorry for the delay, everybody. Okay, let's see. There it is. All right, can everybody see that okay? Thumbs up? Yes. Great, thank you. Well, happy Easter. It's what an exciting time we're entering. Probably my favorite um, Christian holiday, I think, might be Easter. Although Christmas, you know, that's a tough one to beat. Um, we all know what an oxymoron is. Um, it's a figure of speech in which opposing ideas are put together to convey a single idea. Our, uh, our culture is littered with them. Uh, here are a couple, top of my head. Um, you do know that it is illegal to drive drunk, but it is legal for bars to have parking lots, right? So that's sort of an oxymoron in my mind there. Uh, it's illegal to speed, but it is legal to sell and buy radar detect detectors so that you can speed and get away with it, right? So that's an oxymoron, I think, in the culture, yes. Uh, phrases like uh, pretty ugly, serious fun. Uh, here's another one I ran into in a drive-thru the other day, uh, Whopper Jr. Right? There's no such thing. If it's a whopper, it's not a junior, right? If it's a junior, it's not a whopper. You see what I'm, you see my point. Uh, clearly misunderstood. I say that all the time. You clearly misunderstood me. No. Not so much, right? Uh, how about this one? Exact estimate. I found I was buying some the other day and I and I said to the person, okay, I need an exact estimate. And then I caught myself and went, oh, uh, that's, there's no such thing, right? Um, I'm constantly getting in trouble with my wife when she says she we need to spend some time alone together. And I try to explain to her that if I'm alone, I can't be together with her. And that goes really super well. So uh, oxymoron, we all know what those are. Uh, there's another one that, that uh, really litters our country, that is our lives before Christ. And that's the phrase, living in sin. Living in sin. That's an oxymoron. Um, if sin is in control, then uh, that's not really living, is it? Uh, Paul tells us the wages of sin is death. So sin, and when sin's in control, that's not living. Sin makes us afraid of God. Sin makes us feel shame uh, of ourselves. Sin destroys relationships, uh, and certainly willful, deliberate sin um, most certainly affects eternal 
things. So, um, but this is why Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again, right? To, uh, to break the oxymoron that is and was our lives, living in sin. I think this is why I love the Easter season, because the Easter message is, is that final culmination of God's plan uh, outside of the giving of the Holy Spirit, but that final purchase of freedom uh, that Christ did for us on the cross and uh, solidified by the resurrection. And I think that's why I like to, I like to focus on this. Um, Paul often prayed prayers like this. He said, he would say, I pray you will experience the power of his resurrection. In other places, he would say, I pray you will begin to understand how incredible his power is to help those who believe that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Um, this morning, I want to us uh, to spend just a little bit of time on probably my favorite Easter passage, and that's found in Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. The writer of the Hebrews is discussing Jesus. The context is that what Jesus came to do is a better covenant than the first covenant. And his argument is based upon the fact that uh, Jesus is better. He not only was God's son, but he rose from the dead. And that's why he offers a better covenant with humanity. Let me read that passage for us. Hebrews 7, 24 and 25. Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Again, in my mind, one of the greatest passages in the scriptures. Um, let's break it down. Spend a few minutes breaking it down. And then let's talk a little bit about some great implications of this passage for us and for those we know. Uh, just breaking it down, uh, the writer says two basic things. He says, number one, because he lives, Jesus has a permanent priesthood because he's always living to intercede for us. And number two, because he lives forever, he is able to save completely those who come to him. So he has a permanent priesthood. In other words, uh, Jesus isn't going away. Uh, he's not going to change his mind. He's not going to leave you or I. It's a permanent priesthood. We know what a priesthood is. Priesthood is that role between God and between humanity that represents humanity to God and that helps convey the resources of God to humanity. So he has a permanent priesthood. He's always living to intercede for us. That's because he lives forever, right? And then secondly, he's able to save completely. That word completely there, I think, is the key word here. Um, he's able to rescue us fully, right? He's able to take the work that he begins in us and bring it to completion, to fulfillment. He's able to finish his plans with us. So because of the resurrection, 
he has a permanent priesthood and he's able to save completely so if we were to take this concept and so maybe put it in a truth statement i think this is what this is what uh, was on my mind the last few days uh, we might say it this way when jesus rose from the dead that resurrection enabled him to continuously administer the salvation and freedom he purchased for us on the cross maybe that's a simple way of saying that when jesus rose from the dead and enabled him to continuously administer the salvation that freedom that he purchased for us on the cross so a couple of application areas we might share this morning um, might look like this because he is alive we are offered a relationship and not a religious experience with a set of rules to live by because he's alive we are offered a relationship and not a religious experience with a set of rules to live by Here, here's what i mean because he's alive humanity's purpose our purpose uh, is therefore not to keep the memory and teachings of a dead guy alive that's not why we live that's not why we go to church that's not why we read the scriptures we're not trying to keep the memory and the teachings of a dead guy alive are we that's because of easter because of the resurrection he died but he rose again and he's alive see this is where every other religion fails every other so-called pathway to god fails because every single one of them every single one of those founders is dead and stayed dead. Buddha's dead, Muhammad's dead, even Moses and Abraham, they're dead. And none of them can do anything for you and I right now because they're what? Dead. This is the difference in Christianity. Our founder, our savior is not dead. He's alive, right? Amen. That's the difference. He's alive. So because of that, we're not, we don't spend our time trying to keep his memory and his teachings alive. Instead, because he's alive, our purpose changes. Our purpose is to meet him. He's an actual person. We can meet him. We can know him. We can know about him. We can know him. We can understand how he is we can understand what he prefers we can understand how he's not we can know him we can experience love from him even beyond the emotion of it we can experience love from him we can know we're loved but we can experience that love and that love makes a difference in our life changes us we can love him in response not love a memory not love what he stood for, not love something he taught, not love something he did, but love him personally. See that difference, right? That difference. We can follow him and then we can continuously be transformed by him. All of this is possible 
because he's alive, not dead. He's dead. If he didn't raise from the dead, Paul already told us in uh, 1 Corinthians that everything we got going, it's useless. It's ridiculous. In fact, it's stupid without the resurrection. He's alive. And because he's alive, God offers us a relationship. And I don't know about you, but I think that is maybe the most attractive thing to me about uh, this whole thing we call Christianity. If this were not the case, honestly, I don't think I'd have time for it. I don't think I would be drawn to it. I don't think I would I would give and sacrifice and care uh, if it were just trying to keep the memory and teachings of a dead guy alive. If we're just trying to preserve some kind of legacy that he accomplished while he was on earth. Honestly, I know myself well enough to know I wouldn't be interested in that. I wouldn't play along. I'd go do something else. But it's the fact that he's alive and that I can meet him and know him and experience love from him and love him in response and follow him and be continuously transformed by him. Honestly, that's why I buy into this whole thing. That's why I'm interested in this. That's the hope that I wake up every single day putting my trust in. Engaging him, the word for the relationship. Don't sign me on. I, I have no time for it. Secondly, another application that I think is exciting for us. Uh, we take this a step further. Um, obviously, because he has a permanent priesthood, he's always interceding for us. And obviously, because he is able to save completely. First of all, we're we're offered a relationship. But secondly. Because he is alive, catch this. This is this is so exciting. Because he's alive, his work in us, which started with forgiveness, can continue toward fulfillment and maturity. I mean, when you really stop and think about all the implications of that statement alone, it makes life pretty exciting, doesn't it? Really. It fills me with such hope um, to know that the work he started, because he's alive, he can keep working on me. He can keep moving in me. He can keep uh, loving and extending grace, but also convicting, exposing those things that need corrected. He can continue to flow his power and perspective and wisdom and truth to me. I can get, continue to empower me to respond in faith to those things. And he could work in the midst of that by faith, that transforming power. And the things that I once wrestled with, the things that I once had difficulty with, things I once struggled with, I don't always have to struggle with it. I don't always have to have that weak area because he's alive. And because he's alive, he can continue. to work in me toward fulfillment and toward maturity. Isn't that the best news ever when you think about that? Yeah. I mean, that's what makes life exciting. Um, 
Um, so here's, I think, what the writer means. Because he's alive, here's some specifics. Because he's alive, we have hope for transformation, right? With those inner life struggles. You know, think, think about a couple. Past, past hurts. Not a one of us just hasn't been hurt, devastated, injured, offended, uh, however you want to call it. And, and we know those things don't leave on their own, right? I mean, but through Christ being alive, he can continue to work and he can continue to touch and can continue to heal and transform. How about anger or bitterness that comes from unresolved things? How about depression? And I know there's some physical pieces to that, obviously, that uh, that need a, attention as well. But the, the emotional depression that's based upon the circumstances that we just read or, or uh, you know, different life things. This gives us hope that there's transformation for these things that we experience, these inner life struggles that we may have from time to time. Addictions, different desires, different habits, different attitudes, and of course, physical sickness. Because he's alive, all of these things that we just mentioned, there's hope transformation there's hope that they don't have to stay the way they are there's hope and power that they can be changed one by one in our lives and where there was struggle there can be freedom where there was sickness there can be health all because he's alive he was dead and all he had of is his memory and his teachings these things would inevitably remain and have to remain in our lives. We have to wake up to them every day. We'd be stuck with them. But because he's alive, not so, not so. His transforming power can continue to work in us beyond forgiveness toward fulfillment and maturity of his plans for us. And one more, because he is alive, we have hope for healthy, productive lives. Here's what I mean. Because he's alive, I can receive comfort from him, right? Healing of the brokenness, as we mentioned above. There's new and fresh strength every day. And given in specific circumstances. There is wisdom for the asking. James tells us in life circumstances, in difficult times. And I think one of the things that, that is very exciting and I think that we understand as being part of ministry, because he's alive and he's doing these things in us, then we have hope that we can positively impact the lives of others, right? Because I gotta be honest with you, if he wasn't alive and he wasn't at work in me and I'm stuck in all those things that we just described, I have nothing to offer anybody else. I'm like the grumpiest person in the world to be around, right? I'm like consumed with my own problems and my own, but because he's alive and because he's at work in me and I can trust him with that work 
and he is making progress with that work, then I can rest in him and turn my attention and serve others. And through his spirit can bring a positive impact in the lives of others. But it's all connected to the resurrection. It's all because of the resurrection that this can be a reality in our lives. So as we approach Good Friday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter weekend, and as we no doubt will reflect on Easter and the power of his resurrection, um, for yourself, I would encourage you, think of these things. Think on these things. Allow God's Spirit to review cause you to reflect on your own life and take hold of the promise. Uh, don't live life like he's dead and all we have is his memory and his teachings. Live life like he is alive and continually interacting with your life. Uh, for perhaps um, those who are unsaved in your life, that lost neighbor, other acquaintance, uh, maybe co-workers. Oh, just kidding. Um, you know, those those folks that are unsaved in your life. Uh, remember, remember to communicate Easter and the power of the resurrection uh, to them in a way they can understand. I mean, this is the most should be the most attractive thing to an unsaved person is that you are, by virtue of the gospel, inviting them to a relationship, a living, breathing, continuing relationship with a live Savior uh, who can be continuously at work in their lives. That's the good news that really unsaved folks need to hear. Why is Easter so important? Because Jesus is alive. Amen.